The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is October 27th right now, and I was actually just saying to Olivia in the last episode, if you listened, when I was like, did I say the intro right? Like, is that what I normally <laughs> say? I listened back, and it's because I said, welcome back to another episode instead of welcome to another episode, and that's what threw me off. So I wasn't being totally insane. Hopefully, it's welcome back to most people. <laughs> yeah, it, just like mm. saying it that way, and then I was like, something's not right. <laughs> I know, it's so funny how even the smallest little thing can kind of be like, oh, that's not right, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, everyone is going to be mad. What did I do? <laughs> but yeah, so I figured that out. Just want everyone to know that I'm not losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, you were right. It was off. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so not much going on with me, honestly. What about you? You're going away? Oh, I'm pretty excited. We're going away today, actually, after this for a kid-free weekend for a wedding. I haven't been to a wedding for so long. Obviously, like COVID stopped basically everything. Mm-hmm. But even, I can't even remember, like it's been years and years and years. So we're off to a wedding tomorrow. It's in um, the Hunter Valley here, which is kind of, I guess, like your Napa Valley, like a wine region with beautiful wineries. And the wedding is at a vineyard, which I'm so excited That's about. Nice. Oh, it's going to be so nice. And the weather, like I know I whinge about the weather nonstop, but the weather is unbelievable. Like today, there's not a cloud in the sky. Hopefully, unless it changes for the rest of the weekend, it's meant to be hot, which isn't great for my dress choice, but <laughs> I'll suffer through it. And um, yeah, just beautiful, sunny nice weather like it's just shaping up to be a great great weekend hopefully is the wedding outside um I don't know I suspect so like I've seen photos of the venue and it's like this beautiful um I don't know not a barn like it is a barn but like a modern barn like it's black and and so they looks like they've got chairs set up there they probably have an indoor option but I'm assuming because it's going to be nice it will be outdoors and then indoors for the reception at the same place yeah so they've got it all organized they've got a bus that picks up people at their accommodation drops you off there after the wedding it's all exciting I've got a new dress bought four pairs of new shoes (laughs) because I ordered two (laughs) online and then they told me they weren't going to arrive so yesterday afternoon I ran out after work bought new shoes two more pairs and then when I got home the other shoes actually had arrived (laughs) of course (laughs) but when I tried on the online ones they didn't fit anyway so it worked out all right I'll just have to send them back so yeah no I'm all organized I'm already I'm excited for some kid-free time some wine we're going out for a nice lunch today when we get there so it'll all be very exciting (laughs) Is it an open bar? I suspect so. Most weddings here are an open bar. Um, I don't think I've ever been to a wedding that isn't. But um, Joe, my husband, was saying that these apparently these the bride and groom must be able to supply a lot of their own alcohol at this venue. So they've got a lot, a lot of really nice spirits, which I'm excited about. <laughs> mm. Not not just wine and beer. So yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's an open bar. Yeah, I feel like most weddings are, but then since I'm wedding planning, I'm in some like wedding groups on Facebook and I'll randomly see posts of people being like, so we're going to have a dry wedding or like what's everyone's (laughs) thoughts on a dry wedding or like not having an open bar? Because one thing to not have an open bar, but it's another thing to have a dry wedding. Like 
I get for some people because they're like, my family is like alcoholics and we don't really yeah. drink. But I'm just like, that would be like, what do you do? <laughs> just dance sober. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I know. Like most, I don't, I don't know if it's the same there, but when you hire, like if you, because you, I feel like here, generally all weddings, you have the ceremony and then you usually go somewhere else for the reception. Um, sometimes like tomorrow's when it's at the same place. But like for mine, for instance, I got married in a church. Then we had the ceremony at kind of like a function center. But when you hire, when you book the function center, you get a package. So it's usually like a three course dinner, for example, and a five hour beverage package or a four hour beverage package, just depending on um, how long your wedding goes for, I guess. So yeah, that's like it's how ours is. Usually pretty much included. Like the one where I'm doing my wedding, they have – it's like a five-hour package for everything. But then you could pick like different levels like gold, silver, mm. bronze mm-hmm. and like what level of alcohol for like an open bar. Or you could do like a cash bar where like it's still free yeah. for the guests but then like I would just pay the bill at the end. So it's kind of just like you have yeah. to figure out which one's cheaper. <laughs> how big a drink is it well that's what <laughs> the wedding coordinator was saying she was like well like since it's only like your wedding's only gonna be like 50 people it might be better to not do the open bar and just like pay the bar tab at the end unless like you're you everyone's like big drinkers and we're like mm, kind of are so <laughs> it might just be cheaper to do gotta, the open bar gotta, you've got to do the calculations yeah that's hard though because <laughs> It's like all of Mike's friends have been friends for so long, so we'll just be like excited and just like crushing drinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you have a fabulous time and that you don't feel hungover. Thank you. So another random thing we wanted to talk about quickly was we got a bad review. I know, I feel bad being like <laughs> we get a lot of good reviews, but like you know how it is. You can have so many people say to you like you guys are amazing, we love you so much, and then there's that one review where you're like what. Yeah, and I know I think we've spoken about it in the past, even with anything like restaurants, hotels, I feel like the amount of reviews that you read are bad are because the only people who really make the time to make a review are people who are angry. Yeah. Like if they're happy with the service, like, oh, yeah, it was fine. I'll just – I'll maybe one day I'll write a review. But if someone's really angry, they want to go and do something and writing a review is their way of doing something essentially, I guess. That's like – I can't even imagine being angry over a podcast. But anyways, these were just dumb things <laughs> that just annoyed me that I want to address. And I, I feel like – I don't know. I feel like it's silly to talk about. So it's not like we're actually mad. But someone left a review. We've gotten this – well, we get a few times that some people don't – like listening to us chat so just a reminder if you're still here listening to us chat and you're mad about it you can fast forward they're probably not they've already turned it off you can fast forward um i think some people like us chatting but if you like us chatting go leave us a review right now being like i like when you guys chat about your lives just so we know because if everyone hates it we'll stop (laughs) we've asked in the past too and most people like it like I know there obviously are some people who don't it's personal preference and that's fine but you can always just skip forward probably around 10 minutes each episode and then we'll get into the case so I I will try and remember to get better again of at putting the actual time stamp when we start talking about the case in the notes so if you press for time if you just want to get to the case just look in the notes and we'll have it in there where you can skip to yeah I don't think we've ever really talked longer than 10 minutes like 15 tops like if we're feeling really crazy yeah but yeah even like sometimes it's five it just depends yeah. on what's going on that week um yeah and I like I feel like we were just talking about this before we recorded I feel like a lot of 
the people who like the chat are people who listen to us every week. So they kind of like, you know, no a bit one of banter and even well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And even like the last episode just released not too long ago, we've already had some messages from people about the chat. They're like, oh, you know, I really enjoyed that conversation. It's just, you know, it makes us more relatable to the people who listen. <laughs> and it's so hard too when you can't see someone and you like, it's not like we're talking face to face to everyone. It's just a way that, yeah, to get to know. I don't know, I guess who you're listening to a little bit. Yeah. Like I always feel more invested in influencers or podcasts I listen to when I know about their lives and I want to know like what's going on once I'm like invested. So not that we yeah. do anything crazy yeah. that anyone needs to be invested in, but I don't know. I think it's like making <laughs> I feel like friends. That's the whole the whole point of social media too is you follow people because you want to know about their lives. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And I know people are here for true crime, but it's just a little tiny portion of you know what we do I guess is the chat yeah and the other thing sometimes people say is that we sound uninterested which I'm like (laughs) one that's just my voice (laughs) two like I try to sound more not like monotone but more like calming I guess like imagine talking about murder and sounding crazy and hyper and excited like I get that we're kind of like a sillier, more casual podcast, but like I'm not going to be acting all excited and like screaming about people getting murdered. So if you think I sound uninterested, we're not uninterested. We're just trying to be chill. I feel like we can't win with that either because there's been a few times where we've laughed about something that's ridiculous within a serious topic. I can't even say one off the top of my head, but, you know, if it, just say, for example, if a criminal says something stupid or does something stupid and we laugh and people are like, they're not taking it seriously, how could you laugh about something like that? But then if we are serious, then we get, we're not interested. So I don't know. It's hard to win. Yeah. So just so everyone knows, I am interested and I'm going to chat about <laughs> my life for 10 minutes. We're at 11 minutes. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Over time. Well, we have to cut out a little bit, so mm. <laughs> so we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So today we'll get on with it. We are going to be talking about the Cosmo DiNardo case. We were going to make this um, kind of like a, a themed episode like we do a lot about multiple murdered men because there was that case that just happened in, in Oklahoma where was it four men again? Yeah, in I try. I looked it up. I've already forgotten how to. That's say That's why it. I just I said Oklahoma. Okmulji or Okmulji? Oh God, I don't know. I did. I looked it up before we started recording. But yeah, four missing men who were last seen riding bikes, and their bodies were all found in a river, all dismembered. Um, the case is still ongoing. There isn't a whole lot of information. So yeah, we we're, we're going to combine it with this case. But then Cosmo's story just ended up being so huge that we thought maybe we'll save the men for a few weeks when hopefully some more information has come out. Yeah, so that case, it's pretty. there's a lot of similarities um, to the Cosmo DiNardo case, which happened in 2017. I don't know if you guys remember, but it was a pretty big case when it happened. Um, it was from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and Cosmo DiNardo, he was 20 years old at the time with his cousin, Sean Kratz. They murdered four other men who were all around the same age, um, and they were missing for a couple of days at first. So it was just like a big story. Yeah. And I think it's one that we followed in real time as well. Like when they were still missing. Yeah, I was like obsessed. Then, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I forgot so much about this case now that all the years have passed. I feel like this was one of the probably the first 
cases that we followed when we start because I think we started True Crime Society around that time. Yeah, we did in the summer of 2017. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's crazy how long we've been doing this. <laughs> time flies. When you're having fun. <laughs> and getting abused. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I have such a you'd think I'd have a thicker skin from all the years of just being trolled on the internet. <laughs> but I don't. I'm sensitive. It, hurt. it cuts every single time. Yeah, it hurts every time you guys are mean to me. <laughs> okay. So we will get into that. Uh, also, um, the Cosmo, his confession is like out there. So I'll put in clips from that in between. So I'm not going to be able to preface it every time. But when you hear a clip, it's probably of Cosmo and the investigator who was interviewing him talking because he confessed to all of this. So I'll kind of like put it in as the story goes when I edit the episode. So just so you know who's talking. This one, we're going to do kind of like a little backwards. We're going to start talking about the murders in the crime first, where normally we start with the background. But we're going to do the background after we talk about the murders this time because that just kind of how the story flows better. The four men, their names were Jimmy Patrick, he was 19, Mark Sturgis, he was 22, Tom Mayo, he was 21, and Dean Finicaro, who was 19. This picturesque part of Pennsylvania is one of the safest in the state, but the disappearance of the four young men has shocked the community. It's frightening. I have a 20-year-old and I'm concerned. What, what happened to these boys? Nearly 100 state and local police have been joined by FBI agents and U.S. Marshals in the all-out search. They are using everything from hand-sifting tools to heavy equipment, says Bucks County District Attorney Matt Weintraub. It's 90-some acres and we're going through it with the equivalent of a fine-tooth comb. Families of the missing have been keeping vigil on the edge of the farm. Cadaver dogs have been brought in, but no human remains have been found. Investigators are clinging to the possibility the missing men are still alive. I have hope. I think that it's very important to hang on to hope until there is no room left for it. 19-year-old Jimmy Patrick, a Loyola University freshman, disappeared last Wednesday. Dean Finocciaro, 19, Mark Sturgis, 22, and Tom Meal, 21, vanished two days later. 20-year-old Cosmo DiNardo, who was arrested Monday on an unrelated charge, has not been named a suspect. Police say he suffers from mental illness. Okay, so we'll start with Jimmy Patrick. He was the first to be murdered on July 5th, 2017, and he was last... Actually, so they all kind of went missing in the span of like two, three days. Two days I think. It was like yeah. one on one day and then the rest of them on another day. So it was like big news because all of a sudden this one weekend, basically four people from the same area are missing for young men. So that's why it was like kind of weird and suspicious at first and made like big news right away. Jimmy Patrick, he was the first one to be murdered on July 5th, 2017. He was last seen leaving his grandfather's home. So Cosmo picked up Jimmy and they allegedly had a deal for Jimmy to buy four pounds of marijuana from Cosmo for $8,000. So when Jimmy got into the car, he told Cosmo that he only had $800. For that amount of money, Cosmo told him that he could buy a gun for that amount instead of the more expensive weed. And Cosmo then allegedly took Jimmy to a remote part of the property in Solberry. And just as a side note that we'll get more into his family life later, but Cosmo's family was very wealthy. They had like a huge, huge farm property with like, what was it, like 90 acres or something? 
Yeah, so the farm, this farm that we're talking about was 90 acres or 36 hectares. So it was a very large property. Yeah, so just for reference, Cosmo was like a rich kid and had access to a lot of things. So he took Jimmy to a remote part of the property saying that he was going to like let him shoot the gun. But instead, Cosmo ended up shooting Jimmy with the .22 caliber rifle. And Cosmo used a backhoe that he had access to to dig a six-foot hole that, and he buried Jimmy in that hole. So his family, a lot of their money comes from the cement business. So they had backhoes and stuff like that, and Cosmo knew how to use them. Who is this? Jimmy Tarpatrick. Did you murder Jimmy Tarpatrick? Yes, I did. Yes, I murdered Mark Sturgis. And who is this? I murdered Tom Mayo. You were, you were selling drugs, right? I was middlemaning deals with drugs. This particular deal, I was not making any money. I was just, you know, getting him a good price on a large quantity of marijuana. So we get there, you know, said, okay, well, let me see, you know, the 8,000, let me see the money. So I, I go to count the money, and there's 800 bucks there. So I'm like, dude, if you don't have the money, like, this, this is horrible. This is not good for me. I said, well, I could sell you a gun. So. We get out of the truck, I hand him a shotgun, he goes to shoot it, and I shoot him. All right, so after you shoot him, I go get the backup, dig the hole, you know, set a prayer, put him in the hole. I, 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 I believe I burned all the money. Why'd you do that? I didn't want the kids 800 bucks. I didn't kill them over 800. I wasn't robbing them. This was not gonna go good for me. The guy would have shot me if I went to meet up with him and didn't have the money. And I did not want to get killed for his stupid-ass mistake. So the next victim was Tom Mayo. He was last seen on Friday, July 7, 2017. So the last confirmed contact with Tom was via text message to his girlfriend at 6.53 p.m. that day. The girlfriend later told police that she had not been able to get in contact with him since then, which is out of the ordinary, she said. So Tom was good friends with the third victim, Mark Sturgis, so they were the two that knew each other. Mark was last seen after telling his father that he was going to meet up with Tom. The fourth victim, Dean Finicaro, was also last known to be alive on July 7th, so they all went missing on the same day. So what's confirmed to have happened on that day is Cosmo and his cousin Sean picked up Dean from his home around 7 p.m. They apparently had a Dean for deal to buy a quarter pound of pot for $700. Cosmo and Sean agreed before they picked Dean up that they were going to rob him instead. So Cosmo gave Sean a Wesson 357 handgun. Cosmo's story is that they took Dean to the Solberry property where Jimmy was buried already, and that Sean took Dean inside a barn and shot him in the head. Cosmo said that he then took the gun and shot Dean a second time, but that he was already dead. In the interview that Cosmo did with the police, he said his head was split the hell open. Half his brain was in the barn. He then wrapped Dean's body up in a blue tarp and placed him in a metal tank that he referred to as a pig roaster. Sean gave a similar version of events to the police, but he said that Cosmo was the only one who shot Dean. So I go to meet up with Dean. Why are you going to meet up with Dean? A drug deal. This is pre-planned? Yeah. What's he to buy off you? Quarter pound of wheat. I don't have a quarter pound. I have right. two ounces. So we picked Dean up. Now this was a robbery. Sean was going to, you know, rob him in the woods by himself on a quad and kill him. He did. 
So we come back into the barn, you know, we're looking at a Vespa I had, and when we stopped looking at that, Dean turns around to go walk out. When I went to turn, I just hear a bunch of shots go off. Dean goes down, face down, dead. Okay. I took the gun from Sean, and I shoot Dean, you know, I think once or twice, I don't know how many times I shot him. Why, was he not dead? No, he was dead. Okay. But I just, just to finish, you know, just I just shot him. I'm not lying, he was dead. Okay. He, his head was split, split the hell open. His brain, you, you probably found it, half his brain was on the, in the barn. The same day, Tom and Mark had agreed to meet Cosmo that night. Cosmo picked up Tom and Mark and took them to the Solberry property again. Cosmo told police that he shot Tom in the back, and then when Mark was running away, he shot him too. He said in the interview, when they turned their backs on me, I shot Tom in the back. So Tom was still alive and screaming after he was shot because the bullet hit his spine and paralyzed him but didn't kill him. But Cosmo was actually out of ammunition and couldn't just further shoot him to kill him. Cosmo went and got that backhoe again and ran Tom over with the backhoe to kill him, then scooped up the two bodies and put them both in the metal tank that Dean's body was already in. When Sean was interviewed by the police, he said that by running over Tom with the backhoe, it basically just totally crushed him. Cosmo then poured gasoline into that pig roasting tank that he put their bodies in and set it on fire. So when they turn their backs on me, mm -hmm. I shoot Tom in the back, drop him. Mark's like, what the? He was such a big kid, I unloaded the gun on him. So he's paralyzed. He goes, I can't feel my legs, I can't feel my legs. I went and grabbed the machine because he's screaming now. I mean, I'm surprised the neighbors didn't hear why, why are you shooting him again? I'm out of bolts. He's screaming, going crazy. Sean's like, got his head in his hands. I grab tobacco. You know, he sees that coming, just shuts the fuck up, and I just run him over. I don't know why I did this shit, man. Threw my life away for nothing. All I've done for nothing. Cosmo and Sean left the property and went to a restaurant. You know, all this murdering makes you kind of hungry, I guess. <laughs> Cosmo said, I didn't eat mine. I just did something so gruesome. I didn't have the appetite. It's like a weird place to draw the line. Like, I, I won't eat after I murder, but I'll murder. And he even, like, it says that he ordered a cheesesteak. So he went to the restaurant, sat down, ordered a steak, ordered something meaty after doing this. And ordered a fucking no, cheesesteak. Like, <laughs> a dense-ass meal. <laughs> So Dean's mother reported him missing on the Friday evening after he didn't show up for work. And the following day, Tom or Mark didn't show up for work either. Tom's mother reported her son missing, and she told police that he was an insulin-dependent diabetic. On Saturday, July 8th, so the next day, Cosmo and Sean returned to the Solberry property where they used the backhoe again to dig a 12-foot grave. They put the bodies of the three burned men into the pit. On that same day, Cosmo tried to offload Mark's Nissan to a friend for $500. Sean and Cosmo didn't get away with their plan for very long. Sean was taken into questioning on the night of Saturday, July 8th. So that's the next day at 9.20 p.m. On the afternoon of July 8th, authorities tracked Dean's cell phone to the Donardo farm. So on Sunday, July 9th at 2.10 a.m., Mark's Nissan was found by authorities. And then at 4 a.m., Tom's car was found two miles away from Mark's vehicle, and it was found on the property owned by the DiNardo family. 
So obviously, Tom was not found with the vehicle. Police did find the keys as well as the title, which was folded up and hanging up on a wall of a garage located on the property. Tom's diabetic kit was also found inside the vehicle, and his family said that he would never go anywhere without it because it was something he depended on. So obviously, that's a red flag. So Mark was reported missing after that. Monday, July 10th, authorities executed a search warrant on the DiNardo farm. Cosmo was arrested on an unrelated charge stemming from illegally possessing a shotgun and ammunition in February, and his bail was set to a million dollars. So they were just kind of looking for a reason to bring him in, and they dug up this old charge. On the following day, Tuesday, July 11th, Cosmo was named a person of interest in the disappearances of the four men. He was released on bail that day. 10% of the $1 million had been paid in cash. Like we mentioned before, his family is very wealthy, so they were able to pay that, which um, kind of foiled the plan of bringing him in. Monday, July 12th, the Bucks County DA, Matthew Weintraub, he announced that authorities have not yet recovered any human remains, but have found several important pieces of evidence on the DiNardo farm. Cosmo was taken into custody again and was charged with stealing Tom's car. He was arraigned and his bail was set this time at $5 million cash. This was the largest bail that Bucks County Magisterial District Judge Maggie Snow had ever set because they were probably like, you're not getting out this time. Yeah, keep going. We can get you. Yeah. Um, the DA had previously told reporters that he would seek a very, very high bail because he believed Cosmo to be even more of a flight risk at this point. Dean's remains were the first to be recovered from the DiNardo property. Um, this happened on Thursday, July 13th. His remains were found at 12 a.m. on that day. By 5.45 p.m., Cosmo had confessed to the four murders. He confessed to the murders because he didn't want to receive the death penalty and was hoping to get out of that. Um, the bodies of the remaining three men were found the following day on July 14th. Cosmo was charged with four counts of homicide. Sean was charged with three counts of homicide. And Sean had an extensive criminal history of burglary, conspiracy, criminal trespassing, theft, receiving stolen property, and criminal mischief already. So on May 16th, 2018, Cosmo pled guilty to four counts of murder. He was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Sean rejected a plea deal of 118 years with the possibility of parole after serving 59 years. Um, I, when I was watching videos today, they were saying that Sean wanted to get the death penalty, I think, because he wanted to be like notorious and like famous in a bad way. That deal, like, uh, just seems ridiculous. Like, would you really accept a plea deal of 118 yeah. years? Like, what? what is that? That's not even a deal. I think it's really just to avoid the death penalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know why they even – they should just say, like, you won't get the death penalty. <laughs> um, so on November 15, 2019, Sean was convicted of first and second degree murder and the death of Dean Finicaro and voluntary manslaughter in the deaths of Tom Mayo and Mark Sturgis was later sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So that's like the basic crime. It was very crazy when it was happening. It went on for like two weeks of just chaos, of wondering. Because Cosmo, as we go on, you'll see he is an interesting character. Um, it's kind of easy to poke fun at some of the things he does. But as we go on, he is someone who had pretty severe mental illness um, that wasn't helped by society at all, even though his parents tried to get him help. It seems like he could have had maybe CTE. He had some traumatic brain injuries. So it's kind of really just like a sad story about how the system and society, again, failed someone with mental illness. And you also have to wonder, while you were just talking to, I 
I just don't know how he had access to the guns yeah. to like someone like him who was suffering from these this mental illness that we're going to talk about should not have had access to all of this stuff. Yeah, and just be able to kind of do whatever he wanted, it seems like. Yeah, like I, I feel like at the time I like I didn't even realize how extensive his mental illness no. history was until I started looking into this episode. It was a lot. Like he there was a lot a lot of red flags, a lot of issues that were somewhat addressed that yeah and a lot of people failed him and I guess failed the victims as well yeah so just to preface everything we're about to get into because it's it's a, a wild ride this info is from phillymag.com they did a really good article kind of on Cosmo's life so it says before his son's murder rampage Tony DiNardo was the patriarch of what at least from the outside appeared to be an all-american family Tony and Sandra had founded and prospered their own concrete and construction business. Cosmo, who was named after Tony's father, was the eldest of four good-looking kids with promising futures. In 2005, the Denaros purchased their farm in New Hope, located some 20 miles north of their suburban home in Ben Salem. It became a family vacation spot for activities that included deer hunting and riding ATVs. So his dad said, my son was supposed to be the mayor of this town. He was going places. Everybody loved him. There's a frontier side to the DiNardos. All the family members know how to drive trucks and backhoes due to their construction business. Sandra and Tony both have commercial driver's licenses. Cosmo had a commercial driver's license learning permit. And all the DiNardos, including Sandra, who had a permit to carry, knew how to shoot. Tony and Sandra built all eight homes in their suburban development in Ben Salem Township, including their own four-bedroom, three-bathroom home with a backyard in-ground swimming pool. They also built more than 30 additional homes in the city and suburbs, as well as a dialysis clinic and the bridge, which is a short-term residential center for adolescents in Philadelphia. I feel like that that kind of blurb gives you an idea about how involved they were in the community, yeah. probably how well-known and notable they were. It seems like everyone knew the Donato family. Um, yeah, and they did a lot for the they town. They were very prolific, it seems, yeah. So before the murder, Sandra said that Cosmo was a model student. He graduated from Holy Ghost What's it? I love that name, Holy Ghost Prep. Oh, no. <laughs> he graduated from Holy Ghost Prep, and he won a scholarship to Arcadia University, and he talked about becoming an orthodontist. During Cosmo's trial, some of the neighbors spoke during it on behalf of his character. One said, Cosmo DiNardo is the kind of kid who would always say hello, and he would grab your groceries out of your hand and walk you to your car. Um, another one said, if my husband was digging in the yard, Cosmo would grab a shovel and dig alongside of him. If he saw me shopping, he would carry my packages inside for me. When it snowed, he would shovel my driveway. So it seems like he, at one point, was a, a nice stand-up guy. Yeah. So in junior high, Cosmo was the captain of the Bucks County Bears football team until his football career ended after several concussions and a neck injury. So that kind of seems like the start of the maybe brain damage he suffered as you know we've done episodes a few episodes on zte we did one about chris benoit and philip adams who both had severe cte and ended up murdering multiple people and everyone knows the story of aaron hernandez i would assume so those are the yeah. big ones so in january 2015 while he was a senior at holy ghost prep he was appointed to serve on ben salem's anti-drug and alcohol task force he was reappointed in 2016 he also received an award from the township for his volunteer work in helping to rebuild a church. So it really doesn't seem like the guy that we were just talking about at the start of this. It seems like it was a very um, quick decline like once, a sudden once shift. it started to kind of 
Yeah, once it like this was 2016, he was still on the anti drug council. This all happened 2017. So yeah. it was, you know, it seems like a very, very rapid decline for him. Um, Sandra, his mom, has since spoken out about Cosmo's mental health issues. She said, I don't know if there's help for mental illness. I tried to get help, but there was no help out there. Sandra says Cosmo's issues began sometime in 2015. He'd broken up with his long-term girlfriend in a plan to become a Navy SEAL hadn't worked out. In February 2016, he was diagnosed with a major depressive disorder. He didn't complete the second semester of his freshman year at Arcadia University. That spring, his problems only grew worse, and in May of 2016, Cosmo was involved in an ATV accident on the family farm in New Hope. He was pinned under the vehicle for hours, and in addition to head injuries, he suffered compound leg fractures and wound up in a wheelchair with a cast that ran from his hip to his toe. A month after his ATV accident, Sandra says, Cosmo began acting bizarrely. He stopped eating his mother's cooking, saying that she was trying to poison him, and he also became more physically aggressive. You think for someone who had already suffered head injuries during football to suffer another major head injury, obviously it wasn't going to lead to anything good. It probably just compounded everything that was happening. Yeah, and sometimes all it takes is one bad brain injury to really mess you up. I know someone who I feel like I talked about this in the CTE episode, but someone who I went to college with, it was my friend, got into a bad car accident and he had a TBI and he said like he's mostly recovered for it, but he... There's so much stuff that he forgets, like there's so much memory loss that he has. He had to like relearn how to do a lot of things. And he said even for a long time, he didn't know how to like respond in social situations. Like it messed up that part of his brain for a long time. It's, um, yeah, it's a very, it's very interesting, the whole kind of brain injury and then ongoing issues. Like I don't want to get too much off topic, but I follow this lady on Instagram and her mother just passed of early onset Alzheimer's. I think she was like 53 or something when she passed, which is super young, but they attribute her Alzheimer's to a brain injury that she suffered as a teenager. I think she had like an ice skating head injury wow. and they suspect. Yeah. It's just like super scary. It makes you just want to wear a helmet all the time. All right, so the medication that had been prescribed to Cosmo caused him to put on weight and this made his depression worse. He put on 100 pounds and he grew, quote, man boobs, according to Sandra. She said that his mental illness, as his mental illness got worse, he became obsessed with religious paraphernalia, which I know we've spoken about as well. I think in the Philip Adams case, it seems to be kind of a recurring theme. And Chris Benoit. Um, Yeah, that there seems to be kind of an obsession with religious ideation sometimes in brain injury cases. But even just when anyone's about to have a mental break, I feel like it's a sign because even it also always makes me think of um, Matthew Coleman, the one who murdered his two kids yeah. with a spearfishing gun. He all of a sudden started spouting out a lot of religious stuff online. So seems like it's always a red flag. Even the, even the case that just was updated yesterday about the little boy in the suitcase that we've spoken oh, yeah. about. And they've now said that his mother murdered him because basically she thought he was a demon. So again, religious ideation when there's a mental break. Mm. So Cosmo used to decorate his room with statues of saints and crucifixes and he would apparently fall asleep at night with the Bible on his chest because he believed that this would help him ward off evil. Sandra has said that at one point he carried a Bible with him at all times. So I believe the Dardo family were quite religious um, and Sandra turned to the church for help and she asked them to perform an exorcism at their home. She said, we started out in the basement The priest told her that he felt a horrible feeling at the fireplace, which was really bad. The priest who did the exorcism was a Father Charles Revert, and Sandra said he was spreading incense, saying prayers, and doing the sign of the cross in every room. As he walked upstairs and he entered Sandra and Tony's bedroom, the priest told Sandra that he had an uneasy feeling. 
And this sounds unbelievable, but according to Sandra, this is what happened. <laughs> the priest ran outside and vomited on the lawn. The reporters, I believe from the Philly Mag, did try to contact the police, but he declined to discuss it. So then they, the reporters also sent an email to the priest, but then Archdiocese spokesperson wrote back saying, Father Charles is not inclined to discuss the Donato family, nor will he provide further comment. So that seems like a pretty wild story, but according to Sandra, that's what happened. Yeah, it literally sounds like a movie. <laughs> In July 2016, Sandra was driving Cosmo to a mental health facility to admit him. They got into a fight while they were driving over a cell phone, and Cosmo bit Sandra's arm severely and gave her a black eye. He was still on crutches because of the ATV accident, but he got out of the car and limped into traffic, and he then attempted to jump into another woman's car and told her that he was trying to escape a kidnapping. He was apprehended and wound up at the hospital in handcuffs. There are some excerpts from his medical records at the time, and it says, quote, he felt his mother was a Russian spy and that his cast was bugged. Impression, paranoid schizophrenia. So after this incident, Cosmo was hospitalized two more times in a five-month period. So this is obviously an ongoing thing, just seems to keep happening, you know, three times, I guess, in that five-month period. If he was hospitalized twice more, that's a lot. It seems like they just keep doing like temporary fixes at this point. Yeah. A psychologist wrote in July 2016, the mother is overwhelmed trying to manage her son's illness. His records describe Cosmo's parents as extremely supportive, but they say that Cosmo's mental condition was rapidly deteriorating. Sandra has said that she sought help from 10 different psychiatrists and psychologists at eight different hospitals and mental health clinics. In November 2016, Cosmo started seeing psychiatrist Dr. Christian Kohler. He was treating Cosmo for bipolar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, and schizophrenia, and that he's also said that Cosmo was being medicated at the time with antipsychotic drugs. The first time that Cosmo met with this doctor, he told him that he hunted his dad with an AR-15 but decided not to kill him. He also told doctors at another appointment, if I had a gun, I'd kill them all. I'm I'm assuming he's referring to his family. I'd kill them all. By December 2016, Sandra has said that when Cosmo wasn't acting violently, he would shake and foam at the mouth. She said, his eyes just pierced right through me like there's no emotion. He was talking very vulgar. So as well as Dr. Kohler, Cosmo was seen a private psychologist named Dr. Jeffrey Wyckoff. On December 19 that year, that doctor wrote that Cosmo was off his meds, was making vile sexual comments to his mother, and was telling stories about selling drugs, cutting off someone's head with a chainsaw, and feeding him to an alligator. The doctor wrote, it's hard to say whether Cosmo really believes these stories, but he said that Cosmo was clearly manic and delusional. After this session on the same day, Sandra took Cosmo to see Dr. Kohler where she begged him for help. She said, I was visibly shaking and she said, doctor, I can't go home with him. He's going to kill me. She said, I'm not leaving unless you help me. I'm not going to make it home alive. So Dr. Kohler changed Cosmo's medication at this session and it seemed to make a big difference very quickly. Sandra has said that apparently the very next day, Cosmo seemed calm and coherent. She said it was a Christmas miracle. The old Cosmo was back. So that seems like a very quick turnaround. Um, you have to wonder if it was a real turnaround or if it was just Cosmo. Maybe he was just in a, a good mood. Yeah. So anyway, despite Sandra saying that this Christmas miracle had occurred, Cosmo was still exhibiting some manic behavior. On December 27th, he posted on his Facebook page, I am a savage, no explanation needed. On January 20, 2017, so this is now the same year that the murders happened, the day before his 20th birthday, he twice wrote on Facebook, birthday sex, anyone with a bunch of question marks. 
Then he wrote, who wants to go out with me tonight for my birthday? And then he wrote, who loves intercourse like me? So this is all obviously very inappropriate sexual innuendo on Facebook. Well, it's just like embarrassing. Like it's stuff that a person who could pick up on like social cues and kind of like the social norm, I don't think most people would be posting that on Facebook unless they're just like being fresh. <laughs> but it's just kind of a red flag towards kind of like the brain injury stuff, I feel like. Do you want to talk about those messages now or you want to do it at the end? Yeah, we could do it now. Once this kind of all started making the news and Cosmo was arrested and everything, some people who knew him kind of came forward to talk about his weird behavior as well. So one girl who I think is anonymous or I don't have her name anyways, she put out some message, Facebook messages from Cosmo. And so it seems like these messages were the same time he was writing these birthday sex messages. Yeah. Like it was, looks like it's December 27. In I'm January. assuming it's 2016. Yeah. And then into 2017. Yeah. Do you want to be the girl and I'll be Cosmo? Yeah, I get the easy part because <laughs> she doesn't reply to me. Okay. Yeah. So December 24th, Cosmo messages her and says, hey, no answer. December 27th, he says, dinner date tonight? I'm good. I No problem. Am I too ugly for you or something? You can be honest. No reply. Yeah. <laughs> so January 2nd, need a ride. Again, on January 2nd, just later in the day. Hey, babe. I'm not your babe. Haha, <laughs> what's up, girl? Hello? What's good with it? Leave me alone, please. Why, babe? I'm pretty cute, and so are you. Like, we should chill and talk more. Where's your girl at? Then this is just all separate messages from him. Like, my sister, lol. In the room next door. Want to talk to her? I hate her. Chat's good, baby G. HMU, I love you. I want to make babies ASAP. Let's have sex tonight. I'll meet you at your place. Whenever you want. Okay, seriously, let's not have sex, but we can spoon. Or just make out and cuddle. I like cuddling. Do you? Or we can just talk and hold hands. And that's the last of the message. So, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, creepy. Um, Yeah, not normal. Yeah, and she clearly wasn't interested and he just kept going. She tried to shut him down and I think she just gave up. She's like, whatever, just. Yeah. So after these kind of messages went on, Cosmo got in trouble again for having a firearm. This is a felony under state law. Prohibits anyone who has been involuntarily committed for psychiatric care from possessing a firearm. Firearm. (laughs) From possessing a firearm. Cosmo was arraigned, but the case was thrown out for him, luckily, due to faulty paperwork. So this is the case that we mentioned early on when they first tried to bring him in. And the parents paid the bail and got him out right away. They were pulling back from this case, trying to bring him back in on it because nothing ever happened with it because of the paperwork. So Cosmo visited with Dr. Cola on March 16. At this time, the doctor made notes indicating that Cosmo had been off his meds for two days and that his illness had gotten worse. But by late March 2017, so like only a week or two later, the doctor had changed his mind. He said that he believed his treatment of Cosmo was working and a month before the murder, so around June 2017, he said that Cosmo's bipolar was in remission. He reduced Cosmo's medication and completely stopped it the day after Cosmo killed Jimmy. Cosmo had an appointment with Dr. Cola on the day after the first murder, which was when Jimmy passed away. According to the article by Philly Mag, while he was in the waiting room, Cosmo used his iPad to Google the Soup Maker Cartel, which is a Mexican drug syndicate known for making soup out of some 300 murder victims by dissolving their bodies in barrels of acid. 
So despite this, that day, Dr. Kohler wrote, quote, that Cosmo posed no clear risk to self or others, which I bet he regrets that. Yeah, it's just like, I don't understand because bipolar, it's not like curable. I get it can be less bad sometimes, but I've never met someone who's bipolar like that just can come off their medication and be fine. Especially after having it to this extent. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know. I also found that unusual. Like one of my friends growing up had bipolar disorder and she always was on medication and sometimes, you know, sometimes people go off their meds and whatever and she'd be fine for a little while, but it wouldn't take long before she started kind of like acting manic and um, going downhill again and she'd have to go back on them. So, yeah, I just think it's crazy that this doctor took him off of his medication yeah especially after a period like when he said that by just say the let's just say the end of march early april he believed that he was getting better this is like you would think that this would have to be a process not just two months and then you're off your medication yeah anyway um there is much less known about sean who was the other perpetrator in these murders sean and cosmo are cousins as we mentioned so cosmo's dad tony and sean's mother vanessa were first cousins as of 2017 cosmo and sean though hadn't seen each other for years cosmo made a post on facebook saying it's official i have no friends and his mother saw it sandra reached out to vanessa then to see if cosmo and sean could get together and hang out another Thing, I bet that she wishes she could take back. Hmm. This info about Sean's criminal past is from the Philly Mag article. It says, quote, he was investigated in an attempted murder in Philadelphia, a shooting that had left another man in a wheelchair. Sean, who was scrawny with a scruffy goatee, walked with a limp because he was still recovering from an unsolved drive-by attack believed to be retaliatory in which he was shot 19 times. It's crazy. So Sean also had some mental health issues. He was admitted to a facility by his mother in September 2016. He was there for eight days due to violent threats and tendencies because he had threatened to kill his siblings. After Cosmo and Sean committed the murders, they went back to Cosmo's house that night and Sandra said they had been in high spirits. They told Sandra they'd been out quad biking and that Sean had then stayed the night at their house. Vanessa and Sandra exchanged these texts later that night. Sandra wrote, well, they sounded like they were having fun. And Vanessa wrote, I hope they both use their positives to cancel out the negatives. LOL, I'm sure you do too, and I think they will. And then Sandra replied, and thank you. Cosmo really needed a friend. So in 2020, the Donados filed a lawsuit against Cosmo psychiatrist Dr. Kohler. In a complaint filed by their attorney, Jim Beasley Jr. in February, Sandra said that the psychiatrist was well aware of Cosmo's complex and dangerous history of psychosis, suicidal, homicidal thoughts, grandiose speech, and violent behavior. But despite this knowledge, Dr. Collar grossly and negligently allowed Cosmo to stop taking his medication, lapse into remission, and kill four men. So the lawsuit went on for a few years, but in 2022, it was reversed and dismissed. This info about that is from law.com. It says, The Pennsylvania Superior Court has shut down a lawsuit from the mother of a confessed murderer, aiming at holding her son's psychiatric care providers liable for allegedly contributing to his crimes through negligent treatment. Sandra Donato, on behalf of her son Cosmo, sought indemnity from the University of Pennsylvania Health System for costs related to the murder convictions as well as damages for gross negligence. On Wednesday, the Superior Court dismissed her amended complaint in its entirety. I will say, as someone who used to work at a personal injury law firm that did medical malpractice stuff too, it's very, very hard to sue a doctor unless it's like they made a mistake like one case that we had was 
they did a procedure on this woman. They left a sponge on sponge inside of her that ended up doing like a horrible infection and she had to have like stuff amputated. So unless it's something like blatant like that, it's so hard to sue a doctor because they can easily defend themselves and defend their reasoning and give enough like reasonable doubt that you can't really argue with them. Yeah. Um, there was also there's I think it's ongoing still because it kind of started in 2020. There is a wrongful death lawsuit from um, the victims against Cosmo's parents saying that they knew how severely mentally ill he was and that he shouldn't have had access to a gun, that they should have kept those away from him better. Um, so an article about says the parents of Cosmo DiNardo are facing a wrongful death suit in Philadelphia brought by the parents of Mark Sturgis, the one of the victims for allowing him access to their gun. Um, But then it also says Philadelphia judge has ruled that a portion of a civil lawsuit seeking to hold the parents of Bucks County man who pleaded guilty to killing four men liable for his actions can move forward. Sandra and Antonio DiNardo, the parents of Cosmo, asked the judge to dismiss the portion of the civil lawsuit filed by one of the victim's families that argued that they should be responsible for their son's actions. The one paragraph ruling signed May 13th only says that the motion is denied. This says only one of the victim's families, but I think they all joined in because I saw clips about them doing it and they were all together. So so I think that's still going on. Yeah, and it's now been five years since the murders. Um, like, obviously, that's still ongoing. I feel like this just, I don't know, it must be hard for Sandra. Like, obviously, they failed Cosmo in some way. Like, as I said, he shouldn't have had access, had, had access to the guns and all that type of stuff. But it sounds like Sandra especially did try to help him as much as she possibly could. Mm-hmm. And just for this to still be ongoing, it would it's just their whole life is now basically destroyed. Yeah, it's a really sad story. And I remember when it was happening, because a lot of the stuff about his mental health um to this extent didn't come out till like much later. Um, but when it was happening, it was so easy to kind of poke fun at Cosmo for like the messages he was sending the girls yeah. and like the things he was posting. Um, and I do kind of feel bad about it now because Clearly, he was struggling and the parts about him like needing a friend, how the mom was like, he really needs a friend. Like, it's just really sad. Yeah, there was definitely a lot more. Like, at the time, there was some photos of Cosmo that came out and he kind of looks a bit, um, I don't even know what the word is, like a bit derpy. Like, there's a photo yeah. of him with a gun. He looks like he was he was trying very hard for whatever reason. And now we know the reason. Um, it, it's, a just, it's a very sad story. Those four guys didn't need to die I don't, I don't even know what the answer is in this case but it was there was just a lot of failure essentially and the killings were so random it's not like there are people that he seemed to have bad blood with or anything they're just kind no. of like in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah i feel like he just really wanted to kill people even you know with that quote about if i had guns i'd kill them all and um I, yeah it was just well then it, sad. it makes me wonder too because I don't think we really mentioned it here, but he did say that he was like hearing voices and stuff like that. And I wonder if that's why he started like sleeping with the Bible because he thought, you know, some people think like God will help them or God's going to protect them. Yeah. If maybe that's why he started turning more towards that stuff because he was hearing these voices in his head and just kind of having like an alternate reality, basically. I um, had a look. And just to see if there was any updates, which not expecting any. There's a few articles this year kind of about the five-year anniversary of the murders. There is one article just from a few well, a few days ago, actually, that Cosmo's family are selling one of their properties, which is where Tom's car and the title to Tom's car was found. Mm. Um, it's not really 
anything exciting. They're selling it for seven hundred thousand dollars. When you see it, it's a tiny little cottage, um, very historical looking, built in the eighteen hundreds, I think. But it's just kind of a recap of the case. But I don't think there'll be anything else happening unless something happens in jail or unless there's some or the lawsuit. But that's not really. Yeah, I feel like this case is pretty done and dusted, probably. Yeah just it's like you feel you always feel shitty when you like feel bad for the murderer because obviously you should feel more bad for the victims and i do but i just think in in this case like you said they they tried to get help to an extent like sure you shouldn't have at they should have locked up their gun better kept it away from him but and it seems like they had a lot of resources like they had a lot of money Mm -hmm. like when she said that she took him to 10 psychiatrists and psychologists like there was all these opportunities for people to be able to help Cosmo and even with all of that it still wasn't enough yeah and I do think him coming off his medication was like kind of detrimental yeah and just the timing of that is insane like to come off his medication the day after the first murder because the psychiatrist or whatever he was psychologist said that he was fine and in remission yeah and while he's googling like all this crazy stuff in the waiting room cartel murders yeah and the doctor's like he's good (laughs) he's fine he's better but yeah so that's it for this episode um hopefully it was interesting for you all it's a story that i followed very closely when it happened because it was just like a wild ride um i feel like this one's a little bit different because we often talk about you know crimes and we don't often get such a good and comprehensive view into the criminal's background mm -hmm. and that's why this one's a little bit different and more interesting um just to kind of understand why these things happen sometimes yeah definitely makes you think more about like warning signs yeah so everything with this episode pictures you guys see pictures of their properties and all of that that'll be on the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com you can follow us on instagram at true crime society and my personal account is steph sum underscore olivia's is tcs olivia so definitely check those out leave us a nice rating as suggested at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> on apple podcast or a nice rating on spotify and we didn't have any ads this episode, so you guys don't have to worry about checking out our sponsors, but check them out for past episodes. All the <laughs> links and everything are in the show notes. Um, and I think that's it, really. Hope everyone is just, like, living their best life. Thanks for listening. Look out for each other. <laughs> Peace out. See ya. See ya.